Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host, co-host, co-hercher and re-host. What is going on here? (laughs) I I fucked up the word. I'm Levi. I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. Hi, Levi. Hi, Jen. How's it going? Great, because today we are picking up where we left off and we are going to play through the upcoming investigation in Camp Drybone. Yeah. Investigation investigation number oh my god. Investigation number one as a fresh scion. Yes. Very important. But first, what happened last time, Jin? Last time we made our way to the Waking Sands at the behest of Ida and Papalimo. Um, and I guess Mamodi, uh, to speak with the antecedent, Minfilia, the head of the, the Scions of the Seventh Dawn, figure out what their operation was all about, and uh, join up. And we met all of the Scions, of course, yes. Of course. Yes. We played some icebreaker games. Mm-hmm, like pass the ball. Introduce the person. Yeah. I'm Thancred. I'm going to introduce you to Yshtola. Yshtola hails from Charlian, blah, blah, blah. We are right now at the science headquarters, the Waking Sands. Thancred briefs us on the goings-on today. The deal is that we are going to, as our first mission, investigate the case of the missing elemental crystals and the abductions happening in eastern Thanalan. Yeah. And although these events seem to be separate, Thancred believes them to be connected. 100%. Yes. And I'm inclined to agree with him. So the caravans that are being attacked belong to the Amagina and Sons concern. Thancred says, you know, they're rich. They can hire more guards. They don't need us especially. So we're going to worry about the abductions right now because no one's going to pay to investigate the common folk of Ulda and Thanalan. These are the poor people, refugees, um, lowborn, the, the people that society just kind of looks over. Right. So we head to Camp Drybone to investigate. Camp Drybone is in eastern Thanalan. It's a scrubby desert with massive tendrils of orange-corrupted crystals that erupt from the ground in the far east. The camp itself is built into a hollow in the ground and the surrounding caves. It's very near to Amalja territory, but honestly, it doesn't seem that defensible to me because it's a big hole in the ground. Oh, yeah. And there's no defenses on the perimeter. <laughs> Literally anybody walking up immediately has the high ground. Yep. Great. It's over like Camp Dry Bone. fish in a barrel. Like shooting chocobos in a barrel. Like shooting Sahagan in a barrel. There this we go. escalated quickly. <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out. Say, okay, I could say this. Oh, but there's, there's got to be a- They have fish too, you know. They're called fish. Like shooting full moon sardines in a barrel. Thank you. (laughs) There's a nearby church up a hill to the west. This is the Church of St. Adama Landama, a wealthy philanthropist that gave away so much money that he was sainted by the Order of Nalthal. That's all it takes, folks. There's also a legend of him saving his hometown with only his wits and his wealth. Which, I was going to say, with what, a bag of cash? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Swinging it around. It doesn't really seem that legendary to buy your way out of a problem. <laughs> and also, he is like in very good company. Like, why this guy and not myriad other wealthy folk in Ulda? 
What makes he, what, what, what made him so special? Was because he the first? He gave away money. Oh. So that's why he's a saint. That's fair. Anyway, we meet our contact, Eisenbard. He's a bearded here wearing the traditional open chested Uldan garb. Hot because it's hot out. Or cool because it's got a nice chest vent. Right. The chest window, as it were. Love a deep V. Don't get too excited, Jen. No promises. Eisenbard is the unofficial people's representative in Camp Drybone. He's a trusted person by the non-military, non-business interests. Yeah, which kind of, that's all the people that hang out in Drybone, pretty much. Maybe some military folk, maybe some Immortal Flames. There's a whole Immortal Flames camp here to defend the eastern part of Thanaland from the Amalja. And also there are several merchant interests here too, because Camp Drybone is on the road between Gridania and Ulda. So it's a common stopping point for merchants and other travelers. Yeah, they are, there's a, a little shop there with lots of expensive armor and um, sundries and things. There's an inn. Uh, there's a bar. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, well, pretty well appointed. So Minfilia gave Isambard a heads up that we'd be coming by. And also warned him and his people to be wary of the Amalja lizard people. They are the current number one suspects. So Eisenbard says, right now what we have is a, um, it's not a caravan, but just like a, a, a cart with uh, church collars, they call them, um, that were heading to the church, obviously, simply to sh- you know pay their respects to the dead. But on their way there, um, they got intercepted by Amalja and they were all killed. So now he's asked us to go and fetch their bodies so that they can be um, interred, which is a um, a sad task. But we we comply and we go out there and we see the uh, the the cart tipped over. It's a mess. Uh, three bodies lying there. And as we approach, excuse me, Jen, three ripe corpses. That's right. Go get the ripe corpses. They're very pungent. I don't know. Ripe. Yeah, it seemed like a <laughs> very macabre. Adjective. So we go out, approach, uh, approach the corpses, and that's when uh, two Amalja appear, and we fight the Amalja and take the corpses back to. Uh, we take them back to Eisenbard. Yeah, yes. we, we return to Eisenbard. Yep. Yeah, be like, look it. No, we don't. No, we we don't. We're, we're, we're respectful. We are respectful. Yes. And then after we make our inroads, then the investigation can start in full. I mean, obviously the the Amalja are involved. However. The, the Amalja um, fucking with people in Thanalan is not new. What is new is that the number of missing people is beyond anything they've ever experienced, which leads Eisenbard to believe that maybe something else is going on here. Some other party is involved. There's some greater plot at hand. It's an inside job. Of course. Yeah. Magitek fuel can't melt steel beams. He uh, He's like, you know... Maybe uh, you you should speak to uh, Ungust. Um, he's a guy. He just kind of hangs around. He's he's a bit of a roughneck and a bit of a douchebag, but he knows a lot about the people here. He's a merchant. Well, not a roughneck. A rough character. I yeah. Is how he's just, described. Yeah, rough character. Okay, rough character and a douchebag. And he's probably not going to want to talk to you, but he's going to know the most about like what's going on in Drybone and surrounding areas. So uh, start there. He's like, he's probably in the bar spending the day's wages on drink. We get a letter of introduction from Isambard, and we head to the tavern where we find this guy, Ungust, drunk at the bar. Oh, hey, look, it's that fucking Brillo Mohawk motherfucker that we embarrassed in Ulda. 
he was trying to accost that poor maiden about stolen dodo meat. And we're like, no, sir. Not on my watch. And there he is at the bar. And he's like, fucking you? You again? Then we give him Eisenbard's letter and he's like, okay. Do you know for sure that's him? Because oh yes, he, he didn't oh, have a yes. name. He didn't have a name in that cutscene. He did, did not. He? But he references that exact thing, like you again. It's the same you, you who blah 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 and Ulta. It's it's him. Okay. He's the only person in the game with that fucking facial hair and haircut combo. Nobody else in the game will ever have that hair. He also brags about how he's exploited people here for labor. Right. It's so easy because they're they're super poor. And all of these constant emulsia attacks have made them really nervous. Um, on top of that, they're just straight up bitter at their uh, life circumstances. So super easy to take advantage of these people. Have a good night. So his advice was to go and talk to people. Yeah. Well, at first he says, you know, honestly, I think, that, yeah, there's a lot of missing people, but this is a very transitional area. They People come and go all the time. I'm sure they are just, they just decided to leave. Like, oh, okay. Probably not, but huh. We ask around and all we learn is that people are scared. That That's the yeah. hot word in the streets. Yeah, they don't want to talk to us really. So dead end, we go back to Eisenbard. The next lead is to go and ask around at the church. Right. Eisenbard gives us an embalmed corpse to carry up to the church with us. And so we trek up the hill. The church itself is a pretty conventional small town church just made of sandstone versus wood. And it's surrounded by a massive graveyard. Mm -hmm. And these bodies are mostly from the Calamity. It became actually more of like a place of mourning instead of like a place of worship of the saint after the Calamity because of all the people that died and then were buried here. So we trek up to the church and talk to the gravekeeper Marquez. Because Eisenbard's idea is that, you know, in times of trouble, people typically will turn to to their gods and to their religion for um, for advice, for succor, and thinks, you know what, it, you know, people are going to be expressing their feelings to the clergy. I think that makes a lot of sense to go talk to them. And that, yeah, spot on, man. Our contact first, though, is just the graveyard keeper, grave tender. Grave tender sounds appropriate, but we, we give him the, the embalmed corpse to, to bury so Marquez is a cure with a trim white beard and mustache. He's dressed very unremarkably in his plain brown robes and hood. But if you peek under his hood, you can see some techie looking goggles on his forehead. Odd style choice. Yeah, weird. But anyway, he has us bury the body up at a prepared gravesite up on a cliffside. Very scenic. Yeah, he's just like, we don't have a lot of empty spots. They're so many bodies have been showing up lately. Go to there's I know of one that you can use that one. Then he points us to a sister Orson for answers. Yeah, apparently she's a favorite with the people, at least to you know to do their confessing and their praying. Uh, she's the she's the go-to. Marquez doesn't know anything himself, and he acts very confused and disoriented during this conversation. Also weird, but whatever. We press on to the sister who's inside the church. She also doesn't know anything pertinent, but she mentions that she receives confessions from the townspeople all the time. Mm-hmm. She also tells us a bit about Marquez, though. He's an odd fellow that was traumatized by the calamity, and apparently his weird mannerisms offended Thancred when Thancred was asking around here earlier on. No idea. But yeah, Thancred was was uh, offended by his conduct, quote unquote. Seems a little intense, but okay. 
ultimately another dead end. So we head back down the slope and back to Isambard. When we get back there, we're intercepted by Thancred. Yeah. He's spent some time himself working on the merchant Ungust. And he's concluded that people here will only reveal their secrets to people who are of a religious order. Right. So he's very suspicious of Sister Orson. Right, because that's um, a, a really incredible opportunity. You have access to a lot of people. You're kind of out of eyesight or out of out of, out of sight of a lot of peering peering eyes. It's like the perfect cover. So as, as far as the theory goes, it's, it's not entirely unsound. Um, but Eisenbard is like, the, the fuck you say? Sister Orson? Of, like, of all the people you could possibly insinuate is, is involved, there's no way, Sister Orson. And he's like, you know, every rose, though beautiful, has its thorns. So just keep an eye on her, will ya? Thancred also mentions that Marquez looks oddly familiar. Weird. I can't tell if it's just trying to set something up for the future, or if it's trying to point suspicion at Marquez Because he keeps on being like a weird character and people keep talking about him. So I wonder if the game is trying to make us suspect him. Possibly. I mean, he's, he's, he doesn't communicate very, yeah, he he still seems like he's, he's suffering the ill effects of, you know, PTSD from the calamity. We don't know really anything about him. He's very mysterious just by default with the robe and the hood. We know as long-term players why they're making such a big deal out of Marquez, but as first timers, I wonder if you're supposed to be suspicious of him because oh, sure. we've had three different Marquez's weird interactions in a short space. And if this were not a longer term story, but just the story of the investigation of the kidnappings in Camp Drybone, then that would be some heavy kind of seeding of suspicion for this person. Very much so. And I remember doing this the first time I was because because Thankward was like, you know what, keep an eye on that sister Orson. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, totally. And you don't know who to trust. Anybody could be involved at this point because I'm, I'm fresh and new. I'm fresh off the chocobo cart. Isambard doesn't want to believe Thancred's suspicions about the sister, but he does mention that she does sometimes travel alone up to the Golden Bazaar. And there's an urchin up there that she favors who we might be able to interrogate from some details. Cool. Let's go. Go find this kid. Uncombed Urchin is yep. his name. The one with the messy hair. <clears throat> the Golden Bazaar is a former waypoint on the way between um, Gordania and Ulda, but it was surpassed by newer settlements that were located more conveniently, such as Camp Drybone. And so they rendered the bazaar all but a ghost town because, you know, it's all the way up in a corner by the mountains. It's kind of a pain to get to. It is a pain to get to. I'm not sure why they chose to make that their waypoint, but whatever. Well, I mean, it, you see how it's positioned. It's it's kind of up and around in this this uh, like horseshoe, um, kind of shaped cavern. So I'm guessing from like a defensibility standpoint, it's it's pretty good. Well, it's more defensible than um than Camp Drybone for sure. See, it's not a cavern though. It's more of like a, a canyon. Yeah. Either way, though, it's seen some new life recently because there are rumors now of mithril veins in the area. And also, there is a lost invisible city nearby. The invisible city is a set of stone ruins that were recently unearthed by the Calamity. Some scholars believe that the city is actually the tomb of the Belladian sultan, Lalafuto IV. Big if true. Big if true. Today, the bazaar is a very lonely 
feeling settlement with crumbling walls and aged looking structures. We find the unnamed and uncombed urchin who is currently very distraught because Sister Orson has gone out on her own and has not come back for a while. He's, uh, yeah, he's talking to a bunch of other kids and he's like, oh my God, Sister Orson, she, she left to go find my shiny thing and she hasn't come back and this place is just crawling with dangerous crap. So please go look for her and make sure she's okay. So we do that. We go look for Sister Orson. And she is just outside the gates to the Golden Bazaar, surrounded by a couple of undead. So we we jump to help her kill the undead so they are super dead um, and save her. And she These is, are undead from the ruins. Um, and they had her surrounded. So we dispatch them <laughs> pretty quickly and, uh, and save her. And she was able to find uh, the uncombed urchins. He shall be nameless found his his ring which apparently was um it used to belong to his parents so pretty important for him she was very nice to go out and risk her life to find this heirloom so after all of this i mean it's it's pretty clear that sister orson has uh is is no longer a person of interest yes the sister is so holy and pure that she does church work on her off time She's not She's not a murderer. She's not stealing people away. Yes. So she's off the list. Cross her off the list of suspects. We get back to Isenbard and we learn that Thancred has gone out into the desert to go and spy on some Amalja camps. So we get sent out after him to go give him some backup. Backup is a very diplomatic way of saying that he sends us in alone. Yeah. So we get there <laughs> and he's like, oh, good, you're here. So now you can go in there and you can go yeah. investigate the camp. I'm not really inclined to proceed any further. If you could just go on in there and look for clues, that'd be great. I'm like, all right, Thancred, you coward. So we fight our way through the Amalja camp. It's do a- we? Do we? Or do we stealthily serpentine our way through the Amalja like a mysterious wind, and escape without a scratch. What level is your character, Jen? Oh, I didn't. I didn't aggro anybody. What level is your character? Thirty-two. And they're like nineteen. Yeah. Mystery solved. Serpentine that, Jen. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, we, I'm super. I'm we super fight good our at way sleuthing. Through, or we exercise our high-level privilege. Super good at sleuthing. Depending on the case. Through this camp, which is this kind of like rocky ravine that's full of crude, rough metal structures. It's all, you know, salvage. They they forge their own shit. And all the Amalja architecture is just big, blocky, brutish pieces of metal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. It's not really brutalism, but um, like it's it- no, 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 no. I'm just saying like if we had to assign a, an aesthetic to it, if we had to label it, it's like, I don't know if Chris Angel were a blacksmith. Some people will get that, I suppose. We find in the camp, there is a a note that we recover, and it is a a terribly written note, either by the Amalja or some very illiterate person, but it's masquerading, though, as a religious pamphlet by some priest of Nalthal that is offering free jobs to the poor. Free jobs! Come get your free jobs! So we're going to bring that back to Sister Orson to have her take a look. But um, before we do, though, Jen, I just want to mention there's a cool landmark out here that's easy to miss if you don't do side questing. One of the big plant-covered goopoos has descended from the mountains and died in the desert. Mm -hmm. And you can find its body on the western lip of the big canyon that runs its way through the area. It's brought 
all these foreign plants with it and you can find the body and they've spread it out of the body and it's covered in these foreign exotic flowers and vines and all this stuff. It's a, it's not even like an oasis. It's super weird. It's like a tiny bit of rainforest. Well, they're feasting on its body directly is what's happening. So the yeah. nutrients and moisture in the goopu are keeping them alive. It's like an artificial reef. But there's a... um. A, a botanist, botanist there, there mm-hmm. who is very concerned about keeping this thing going. So he tries to rope you into caretaking for the Goopu garden and eradicating pests and so on to try and keep it going for longer. This is a side quest you can pick up in Drybone. I think it's like a level maybe 16, 17 yes. type of side quest. Then you go out there and, and help the guy. And until I got that, I picked up that side quest. I had no idea that area was there. It's really cool. You yes. just see this kind of broken down... Um, actively rotting corpse of a gubu, but it's like surrounded by gorgeous plants. It's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, good stuff. We show the pamphlet to Orson, who is currently recuperating in the inn after her undead attack. And she says the leaflet is nothing but blasphemous slander. But she does mention, though, that some garments have gone missing from the church recently. We realize, us and Thancred and Isenbird, realize that maybe someone from outside the church is posing as a clergy member and luring victims out of the town that way. Yeah, that totally follows. So now we have a false priest to find. And... Uh, Thancred shows up and he's like, guys, I have an idea. So how about we dress up like the poor and, you know, run around Drybone and ask people like, you got any work for me? You got any work for me? And just kind of make a ruckus so that the person who's doing this gets wind of like a new batch of refugees or whatever that are around looking for work. And that will just kind of lure him in. And that's a really great idea. Eisenbard gives us uh, like a bunch of filthy poor person clothes and so that we can start on this mission to just run around dry bone and, and um, make these kind of like false inquiries. So so we do. Right. So we dress up in, in these slops and we hassle a bunch of local officials for work and they all turn us down very rudely. Well, yeah, like so people are they're not uh, receptive to us, which is enlightening. Uh, we ask, uh, I think, four different people. They're either dismissive or they are opportunists to uh, proselytize to us. He wasn't rude. He was just trying to convert us, I guess. And then uh, or they're just really just downright rude. Right. And a few of them yelled at us to go out of town and go hang out with the other pores at this like campsite over by a muddy pond. Yeah. Go go with, go hang out with your buddies at that muddy pond north of Sandgate or whatever. I'm like, aha, aha. So no luck finding the false priest in town, but we report back to Thankred and we we convene and compare notes. He has the idea of us going out to this camp out by the lake. We can maybe find this person out there. So we head out. It's out in eastern Thanalan. It's a muddy pond. Yeah. Honestly, not Calling a lot of- Calling it a lake is very generous. Not a lot of people out there, though. Anyway, um, we go out there and hang out by the lake, looking the part as best we can, until- a person wearing priest's clothes comes up to us. He asks us if he can do us the service of giving us a job. Right. <laughs> like, oh, my poor children, no one should live 
like you are living I'm like wow way to assume but but yeah so our fucking bait worked Thancred busts him it's ungust the same mohawked d-bag from the tavern earlier yeah he calls him out immediately like you fucking idiot and then ungust replies with this whole sob story about him being Please from the heard me. golden bazaar and then the amalja were going to attack the city but he worked out a deal where if he were just to give them some tip-offs on some merchant caravans and maybe a few captives he lured out of the city on false pretenses then they wouldn't attack the golden bazaar Oh, and also he got paid fat stacks of cash too right. for his trouble. So his initial argument is like, I'm doing this for the good of my people. And Thinker is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, oh, well, you know, the money was real good too. Aha! Like an asshole. So Thinker is like, there's nothing you could say that I would believe. So I'm just going to hang out here with our friend. Yeah, me, me and uh, Ungust are going to hang out a bit here at the Muddy Pond. Um, if you can apprise Menphilia of what's been going on, that'd be great. So uh, back to the Waking Sands we go. And that's where we'll leave off today. We have found the culprit and we are ready to set plans in motion to to find the captives who've already been abducted. Yeah, that's our mission now, to try to find these people before they get killed or whatever. So, Jen, mm-hmm. what do you think about this bit of story? Oh, it's uh, it's very intriguing. It's a, uh, it's an excellent little mystery plot. It, it's also, you know, you get a little bit more uh, flavor with regards to Thanalan and and the relationship with the the Order of Nodthal and uh, the Amalja, um, and just like you know, a little bit more insight into the community of of Camp Drybone and. Um, so, of course, you know, just because it's in the vicinity of Ulda doesn't mean that everybody is Uldan um, in the way that they approach life and the pursuit of happiness or whatever. Yeah, I like that they brought back uh, Brillo Mohawk guy. I'm sure we'll see more of him. I just have a feeling. And um, hopefully we can do some good. Great. Yeah. Very succinct. <clears throat> Not really. <laughs> I think that the investigation here is surprisingly good. Unfortunately, this is not an actual investigation game. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you really have to, you know, create a story that is, um, that is followable by literally anybody who wants to play the game. So introducing, you know, like a little bit of a whodunit, um, like side quest that those are typically more open and more freeform. There are later in the game, there are other mysteries that we solve and we do have the option where it says, okay, so what do you think? And there are usually three answers. One of them is the right one and two are the wrong one. You can answer whatever you want to and the story goes on regardless. If you don't get it right, then someone else will say, actually, you're wrong because of this sure yeah this this might be a little too early you know as the developers may have thought that it's, it's a little too early to introduce that sort of um i guess freedom with the plot and also your your world at the stage is very is very small um because you don't have you don't have a mound it's hard you you, you haven't unlocked a lot of areas i think even despite the fact that it's it's more of a, a detective story that you are witnessing functionally speaking than actually solving a mystery yeah i still think it's very good 
because it has a, I think, a good amount of time in terms of the the fact finding phase where you are chasing down leads and hitting dead ends, but you are still picking up clues that all come together. Like the actual guy in the end, the seeds for that, the culprit, were planted at the very beginning. And it seems like he's just some asshole, sure, but he does make reference. He makes a comment about how he exploited some workers for his own gain when he first meet him. Yeah. And he has planted the seeds story-wise that, yes, he was the culprit, though you don't have the clues or the context at that time to realize that he's done so. Right. It feels like you do enough legwork um, as someone who, you know, who can't go and, and just freely ask questions and collect information. I mean, you're still very, you're, you're on rails on this, but when a conclusion, when you arrive at a conclusion, you still feel like, um, you know, you, you got there, like you, you were, you were part of, you were a big enough part of that process to feel like you also could have arrived at that conclusion independently. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's good. It's, I think it's a very good investigation story. Especially for like earlier Realm Reborn, where the storytelling is pretty much a mixed bag. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I like this part quite a bit. Oh, totally. Because just you're just an, an opening up this entire world and and following these mysteries and and it just it just gets you. Well, frankly, for me, I'm having more fun the second time through than the first time because I was still in just fiction noun whatever shock mode. Where I I couldn't parse what was relevant and what was not relevant because the game moves at such a fast pace. Honestly, for how long it takes to get through a Realm Reborn, the game itself just goes at a very brisk clip. And it's hard to know what to pay attention to and what not to the first time. Yeah. So now I it's been long enough for me where I can't remember all the details. So like I couldn't recall who the culprit was. Like I was rediscovering the person behind the abductions in this scenario. Yeah. But I also knew, okay, so I remember this leads to the trial that we'll have next time. And I knew like the whole setup overall in a big enough sense. And I'm far less overwhelmed now than the first time with the just the overall concepts being thrown my way. So I can actually focus more on the story details. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, uh, I don't know, a, a richer experience this time. But, you know, hopefully with some of this info... If this is your first time playing, it helps It helps you feel a little bit more uh, enriched, I yes. guess. Also, Jen, if you are so inclined to side quest, every time you go to one of these regional hubs here, like the church and the Golden Bazaar, those all have a collection of side quests there that take place in the vicinity. And then they'll give you a quest that sends you back to Drybone. So it is conceptually organized well in that you could like say, okay, I'm going to go and go to the church and ask around about this culprit, but also do some graveyard chores there. And then you get sent back to Drybone. So you can do the side quests alongside the main quest. However, um, unfortunately though, the quality is pretty low overall. There, There's like at the church, you can kill some clouds of flies. You can pick up some garbage for the church. Yeah, they're usually really superficial. It's a good structure having these kind of side quest hubs. It's just that, unfortunately, the rewards for them are minimal and the story is next to non-existent. Yeah. And and then it's just, you know, we get a little bit of money and a little bit of XP. So if you're doing these side quests, you know, at around the level, like if your level is about the same level as these side quests, I would say they're totally worth doing. Because um, then you can uh, bolster your uh, your own coffers and then gain a little bit of extra XP and then um, also just a little extra flavor. Always good. Well, the one big one, though, is getting pointed to that Gupu graveyard. 
Anyway, any other thoughts, Jen? Nah. Next time, we are going to explore the Holotali optional dungeon. <laughs> what? It's optional. Nothing is optional. Well, Whatever. Almost everything's optional. I recommend doing all of the optional dungeons. I find them fun. They're Yeah, they're totally fun. And also they will enrich your dungeon roulette when you start to run roulettes later on or now, whatever. Anyway, that's it. Uh, see you next time for some Holotali. Well, that will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. We really appreciate it. If you have need to get in touch with us, you can at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we will see you next time.